Hello, Kings fans. This is Tony with me, as always, John, bringing you Kings Talk presented by Cap City Crown. Well, we've done it. We've, uh, we, you know, we've waited. We've been patient. We made it through the offseason. Uh, the Kings start opening night. They kick off tomorrow night against Portland um, starting the season. We did it. We made it. John, how are you feeling? It's kind of like such a relief that you almost don't know how to react. But also at the same time, it's like even these last few hours, hours really, I mean, day, but hours, uh, <laughs> it uh, feels excruciatingly slow, um, uh, you know, just this week so far. But uh, I'm sure once things start, uh once that opening tip happens, you know, uh, time will start to go downhill again. And uh, I don't know. It's you, we're, I try, I'm trying to savor this moment, I think, because uh, it's that, that beautiful pocket where you really wanted to start. But it's like when you look back at it, this is probably the most special moment, you know, just kind of like being it, having it right on the tip, you know. Oh, that sounds weird. But, uh, you know. Like right there, right on the cusp of it, and you know what I mean. I don't know. It's like the 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 anticipation is about to be broken. It's right on the edge, man. And no, uh, yeah, it's know. it's the best. It's the best. No, it's kind of like how Christmas Eve is just like a little more special than Christmas as a kid. You know, it's like man, like tomorrow presents and stuff. It's like all that anticipation, like building. I mean, we have a. This is this is the this is the season right here, really. Out of the last sixteen years of playoff list Kings basketball, this is I mean, one of the more exciting times to be a Kings fan in the past couple decades, really. So I mean it's Yeah, bizarre. you had yeah, it's cra- I mean, yeah. other than other than Luke Walton's first season, and the only reason I say that is because they went because 39 and 43 the year before and kind of had right. the same team going in. But, I mean, this team looks like they can actually win some games, like legitimately. Um, yeah, like the Western Conference is still going to be tough. And, yeah, even if we're just like legitimately winning for a playing spot, I mean, that's just that's still a massive step forward for where this franchise has been you know, the last 16 years, 16, 17 years now. Um, that's just a lot to look forward to. And it's like, like you said, we're on like the eve before opening night. And, you know, you, you, you're, you can't get hurt yet, right? Like, it's just like all the potential is still out there. And, you know, maybe the Kings will hurt us. Maybe they'll surprise us or maybe, you know, they'll do whatever. But at this moment in time, you can only be optimistic i don't know what do you think yeah it's like going on a second date i don't know i don't we don't need to keep pushing it with the analogies but um no, just keep it going is, it, it's the, i don't even have a second a date one i, I why well, it's a like a second date because it's just like it's good enough to have the second date but it's not you know there's nothing to be really bad about you're talking about that's probably your most optimistic moment it's the second yeah. date. Sure. you know what i mean yeah. Both got a second chance. You're feeling good about yourself. You're feeling good about her because you most or him or they. And you don't mostly because you don't know anything about them, which really, you know, I don't know if that says more about me at that point. But um, <laughs> anyways, Sacramento Kings, baby. Basketball in general. 
you know, just, just to, just to be back. I don't know, man, it feels good. And I think you could just see it. The roster. I think first of all, bringing in Mike Brown, you have, I think you have to mention that. And then even preceding that, you know, the addition of Sabonis at the end of last year, it almost feels like that was the start of the off season. It was the, or not the off season, but the start of the anticipation for this moment. And so it feels like an even longer time coming. And we were talking about it all last year after the Sabonis trade. It's like, okay, this team's not winning games. And to expect them to win games down the stretch against some pretty good teams there, uh, that just didn't seem really realistic. You know, a team that was essentially half new. You have to think about the fact that it wasn't just like they just got Sabonis and got rid of like Halliburton and healed. They got a flurry of new players and they got rid of a flurry of other players. And so it was this new team on the fly, but they were doing so many things right. And you could see even then that there was not a culture change, but a, you know, a change in the competitive spirit of the team. And I say that the team didn't have a chance to win games. The team didn't really have much of a chance to make the plan, but that you didn't know that by the way they played every time. And even when Sabonis and Fox were hurt, I mean, you saw great play. You saw guys step up like Davion Mitchell. You even saw guys like Chemezi Metu, our guy. Our guy made the team, which he probably wasn't even that much in danger, but we'll get to talk about that later. But y- Your guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was saying that a little tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it. all last year we were saying that this team's building, I think it was Dante DiVincenzo's words, this team was building good habits. And that was certainly true. McNair bringing in Brown, acquiring the players he did, drafting Murray, you know, all these things. It's just, it's coming together nicely. And of course, it like like that second date, I just don't have anything to really complain about big scale yet. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's nice. It, it's nice. I mean, kind of going off topic here, it just kind of reminded me, um, of the trade last year, not the trade, but a trade, uh, you know, and, and you can say it was good for the culture of this team was <laughs> getting rid of Marvin Bagley. And, um, you know, he got like a solid extension this off season and what he's out eight weeks already to start off the year. What, what is it? Do you remember? Uh, I don't, the exact they, injury. No, I, what is it like? He's out six to eight weeks. I think it's a knee. I think it was or knee. I, I thought it was three to four. I thought it was like really. Oh, that's mild. it. No. Yeah, let me let me double check. Yeah, I mean, but, any chance to you know dog on Bagley? Uh, you gotta take the chance, <laughs> really. Dude, that's that. I think that's so interesting. I, I, uh, I saw someone on Twitter go like say like I don't want to hear anybody say anything bad about Bagley because he got hurt. Um, and someone was just like, well, I can say whatever I want. Cause I'm a Kings fan and Bagley's a whatever, you know, <laughs> and I'm happy he got hurt. And I'm just like, man, that's some, that is, that's cutthroat right there, man. That is you like, know what? I don't, and I, mean, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause honestly, I don't want to see anybody get hurt. And I'm not saying that you guys are saying you want to see a guy get hurt, but I think you guys are calling on a certain level of karma there. And I think I can agree with that on some degree. You, I'll call myself out. Like I, I might be a bad person, but when I saw that injury, I texted you, and I, I bet you're protecting me. But I'll do, I'll do, I'll call myself out. 
And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't, you know, it's, I don't want to see anyone get injured. I don't. Like, that's not good for the games. And they're, they're not beyond the game, you know. They're people. No one, I, I don't want to see anyone get hurt. I don't. But damn, Bagley, he, he's like one of those guys. I'm like, eh, like, uh, sucks to suck. But I don't <laughs> know. He just, he just really just rubbed his whole fan base the wrong way. And he's just like an, he's just an a-hole about it, you know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like. I, it, that's a very complicated and long history. Um, no, I, I, man, like I hate to say it, but I, I wish he didn't get hurt. I, I don't, I don't wish that on anyone. But like, well, I, th- I think you can take it from this standpoint, honestly. If I, I can, because I can be a jackass too. Uh, three to four weeks is, yeah, I confirmed it. That's the length of time he'll be out. That's, I mean, you don't want to see that because, I mean, that was his right knee. Didn't he have a, I don't know. Did he ever have a right knee injury before? Dude, probably. I don't know. Like, he okay, had so I many don't know injuries. about that. I could confirm that in a second. But the, my point is that, like, I don't know. Uh, the universe works in mysterious ways, and humility can be taught in infinite numbers of ways. So uh, and maybe that's not just for... Marvin Bagley, hopefully he bounces back from this. Hopefully he can at least live up to the money he's making there um, or set to make and do something. But it's like, hopefully along the way, you know, things have been learned and maybe that can be kind of a major moment for that. I'm not saying necessarily that he needed to get hurt or I wanted to see him get hurt or if that's necessarily how someone learns a lesson or if he'll even learn a lesson. But, you know, that's one way to look at it, I guess. Yeah, Bagley hurt. You know what's new at the end of the day? <laughs> there you Not go. Shocking. Yeah. That there you go. That's that's all. That's all. But you know what, Bagley, he deserves no more of our attention. Um, well, no, uh, off of him because you mentioned oh, you mentioned yeah. Trey Lyles was included. Well, I mean, he came he came to yeah. the Kings in that trade. Very true. And, yes. You know, both are essentially power forwards that are uh they're way different styles of play probably you would say um at least different body types um and uh in levels of athleticism but you talk about how good for the for the culture it was that marvin bagley left well i think you also meant by that by bringing in someone like trey lyle someone that's always he he's gonna find his way on the floor by doing the right thing not going to force things. He's been around this league for a while, and he proved it last year. As soon as he got his opportunity, never forced it. Wait for his shots to come to him. He cut. He rebounds. You know, he does all the things you need him to do. He's not an exceptionally good defender, but he's he's committed to it, and that's all you can ask for from a guy on defense. And he just seemingly always does the right thing. I don't know if I said that already, but I can't say that enough about him. And uh, you know, it's just that that it seems like you know he's a reserve. You know, he's not. Uh, a main staple of this team, but he's so important. And it's just another brick, you know, in what should be a solid structure this season. And it's because you have strong pieces like Trey Lyles and you don't have flimsy ones in more ways than one in Marvin Bagley. Yeah. I mean, I guess playing off of Trey Lyles, I remember when we got Trey Lyles and it's like, whatever. Like, I don't care. Like, the, the big move in that deal was getting DiVincenzo, right? And, like, Lyle's, I'm like, eh, whatever. You know, this guy, you know, he, he was, he played with Willie Cauley-Stein and Devin Booker and um, Kat at Kentucky. And he was, like, kind of like that 
he was that other first round pick uh, from that team that year. But, you know, he's obviously not forgotten. I guess Willie Colley-Stein, <laughs> you could say he's the forgotten one um, oh, yeah. as he's no longer in the league. But, you know, like Trey Lyles, I was like, whatever. Like, like yeah, like he was just part of the deal for salary reasons. But, man, he really exceeded expectations last year. I fell in love with the guy, like, pretty quickly. Just like you said, he just seems to do everything right. He plays the game slow. Uh, very, You can just tell he has a very high basketball IQ. Um, and, yeah, you know, like, not the most athletic guy, but that basketball IQ and knowing what to do with the ball and what position to be in. Um you know, that's the reason he's still in this league. And, you know, I'm excited to see what he can do this year. Um, obviously, by now, we all know that Akpala made the team. And so, you know, he's going to have to start fighting for minutes, really. It seems like Akpala might be starting off at the power forward to start the season. So um, I hope my boy Trey can, you know, get some minutes in i don't know i'm, I'm still not get, totally I, sold I, on the rotation yeah it, let me hear your thoughts well i was just gonna i thought you were gonna transition there on the rotation and just before we do that i want to talk about trey laws a little more yeah because sure. you said you said the trade you said, yeah dude he looks like he looks like a very good friend of mine and my this friend doesn't watch basketball so like i'm always like, you look like trey laws he's like what the what who i'm like whatever um, but, uh, you know, you said that he, we got him for salary reasons. And I think that's largely true, but I, you know, Monty McNair, I think also had an idea behind it because I remember, I think it was that the press conference at the end of the year and, uh, McNair was kind of talking pre like highlighting what he did, um, at the trade deadline and whatnot. And he mentioned Trey Lyles. He said that he quote combines the size of a power forward to with the ability to shoot like a guard end quote. And like, I always got the sense that he was, he always knew that like, like Trey Lyles is the type of forward that you could really use in this, in this, you know, in the modern NBA. And uh, I don't know that he was really doing much. I think he was actually shooting pretty well in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken, but like, it, it's a shame he didn't like, you know, you always wonder it's like, he didn't stick around with the Spurs. He never really stuck around anywhere. Utah, Denver, San Antonio. Um, but like, no, he was not shooting well with Detroit. He was shooting, that was, he was shooting arguably some of the worst. Yeah, he shot 30% in his 51 games in Detroit. But, you know, I, I guess my point is that it's just like, I think McNair saw something in him and, uh, just, I mean, maybe not, maybe there was just a little nugget, a kernel of an opportunity as there is with any guy. Cause imagine if a guy like Josh Jackson, comes in here and starts just hitting shots like you know former number what overall pick and, four uh, right before fox yeah and imagine ah i mean, don't need to get into that but it's just like <laughs> i don't know i'm sure there's like a kernel of opportunity that he or potential that he sees in everybody and you know it just really paid off with lyles and uh speaking of that press conference that like mcnair said that at um I'm just like reminded of it as I pulled up that quote, but like all this thing, all these things that we were saying at the beginning of the podcast, like, Oh, you know, like the anticipation is built up so much. Like um, basically there's been like hope and a little bit of confidence in what this team will be able to do this week, tomorrow against the trailblazers. And in the next 81 games after, um, 
you know, we felt that. And it's just like, I looking back at that, it's like, I, I probably already knew and most people know that McNair felt that too. But it's just like, you go back there, you're just like, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back and watch that press conference because now I'm remembering it. And I'm like, I don't know. It's like, think about the, the confidence that's been brewing from him as of late. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I'm really happy because I just like, it's, it's good to see, like, it's, we always thought that McNair was, you know, at least competent, but it's like, he's really good at his job. Um, I can't speak for the conservative nature of the first few years. I don't know if that had something to do with Ron Adive, but whatever's happening now, it's like, that was a hell of an off season. It's a hell, like I said, hell of uh, a stretch since February. But yeah, no, it just needs some, some focus sometimes. No, I mean, for real, it's just been what he's transformed this team into going into tomorrow night. It's just it's just night and day, really, of what this franchise has looked like over the last 16 seasons. And it's just like, I know, I, yeah, as Kings fans, we always get overly, you know, hyped for the season and always think the Kings are going to do better than what they always end up doing. Right. But. It's just, it's literally and legitimately different this year. And, I mean, you could see it in preseason. I mean, yeah, it's preseason, whatever. But it's just like the ball movement, the shooting, the effort, the defense. Just all that kind of put together. And you actually have, like, legit NBA players who actually make a legit, like, NBA bench on top of that. Um, it just – you can just tell. It's just different for sure. I'm not saying, like, the Kings are going to, you know, win 50 games this year you know, even 40 games, but I think it's their best chance to do so really 40 (laughs) more than so than 50, but, um, you know, it's just, it's, it, it really is different this year. And you, you have to applaud McNair for making all these moves. You know, you got, you got Monk, you got Herder, you got Sabonis, you drafted Murray, he drafted really well. Like you said, his first two seasons were quiet, but you know, he drafted really well in those, those three drafts and mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's just been, it's been awesome to see what he's been able to do. And um, I always liked McNair. I, I trusted him. He seemed like a smart guy and um, you know, it's all coming to fruition. Finally love to see it. You just got to say the phrase now in McNair, we trust in McNair. We trust. We need to make like a, like a hope sign, like a hope Obama, but with McNair spaced and like just the word th- trust. That would be good. And then I think also like the back of a, like a bill, a dollar bill. And, oh, uh, yeah. Where it says, you know, just do trust. We trust and fucking put McNair in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's probably where I came up with the phrase anyway. So that makes 100% more sense. Yeah. Don't they, they say that in courtrooms, doesn't it? Say that in courtrooms too? Uh, I don't know. I've never been in a courtroom. Oh, all right. um but uh but yeah i don't know that's it's it's crazy it's crazy this season and you know uh i mean who do you think you know thinking about the team now you know um who do you think is going to exceed expectations and then who do you think is someone that's going to kind of fall below expectations, maybe fall out of favor a little bit, not get as much play time in the end. Okay. Um, I'll start with the first question, exceed expectations. I think it's going to be Rashawn Holmes. And I don't know, he kind of seems, you know, like an obvious choice, 
but obviously from where he was at the end of last season, um, after, after drafting, or not drafting, but after trading for Sabonis, you know, he obviously took over the starting center role and then he had his off court issues and injuries and this and that. And, you know, he, he definitely had questions if he was even going to stay on the team. Um, and then, you know, he is staying on the team and then it's like, well, like our homes and Sabonis, like they're not going to play together. And, you know, this and that. And I feel like people started not necessarily writing off homes, but he's just like, ah, like, whatever. Like, this guy was, he was, he, you know, he earned that extension in Sacramento. He was a fan favorite. He was a very efficient player. Um, and I just, I, be, I just think people act like that's just going to go away because he's going to come off the bench or he's unable to play with Sabonis. I mean, I don't think they're going to be playing like a lot together, but I think we're going to see some Sabonis Holmes lineups together. Uh, yeah, sure, Holmes can't stretch the floor, but the Kings have enough, you know, floor spacers on that team. Um, he has that. I mean, he has that push shot. I mean, it's not like it's. I mean, it's not like a three-point shot, but I mean, at least can keep defenses honest a little outside the paint. Um, and so, I, I mean, I think he's going to have a good year, and I think. People are writing him off early, but I think he's going to be really good off the bench. He's going to just basically just do the same things he did as a starter, play with good energy, um, shoot the ball at a very high clip, which he has done since he's got in Sacramento, and, um, you know, just play good defense. He's a he's a good defender, and that's why I think, you know, that Sabonis and Holmes matchup is going to happen more, you know, more often than people think because Holmes is that perfect guy to guard that four. He was always a little undersized at that five, but at that four, he's going to do it really well. And that was the issue with Sabonis at the four is that he couldn't guard the four well. So you had to move him to the five. Like I said, I know the spacing gets a little cramped with Holmes and Sabonis together, but I, I, I don't think it's as big of an issue as a lot of people are thinking. I think he's going to have a good year and he's going to just have a really good year off the bench and people are going to be like, oh, like this actually works out. Yeah, just a note on... Holmes I think one of the things that's also fair is that he's so athletic that in the role game I mean like alley-oops are going to be flying his way and you could already see him build pretty I think he got a few from uh, Malik Monk you know and he only played two preseason games Holmes and you know he's he's still kind of anybody that I think is still going to get significant play time he's still just because of his missed time because of his illness I think he still kind of needs to get in rhythm a little bit. Like, I think some of the push shots that you're talking about, it's a very efficient shot historically. It did not look good uh, the other night. But, um, you know, that, you know, five days, I think, in between the last preseason game and uh, game one. Uh, so, you know, he could come along with that. But it's like, you know, think about him and Sabonis together. You know, it's not like you're going to be saying that's a main lineup. But like I don't know, like there are going to be matchups that that, that, that make sense to be uh, to be kind of playing that at times. Um, I, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, I guess like like a team that that might work out against would be I don't know, like would that work out against like New Orleans? Like maybe I don't know, like, like I mean, very possibly. I mean, even even. Um... Minnesota now with Carlton yeah. and Gobert, you know, like those, 
I, I mean, I think Holmes. No, I mean, you have Akpala now as the four. But I don't know. Like, Holmes is athletic, and he can he can add in that offense. Um, so I'm like, well, he's your best four defender. But, I mean, I think Akpala gets that. But he still has to prove himself. Like, he, like in, in you know, in larger chunks of game. Um, yeah. And I think just to pivot off that, I'll let you continue. But it's like, who do you want? Would you rather have... I don't know. Is Akpala going to be able to guard a big guy like Zion Williamson? Yeah. Like, no, very uh, true. And it's just like at, at the end of the day, too, it's like, who do you want in there in a closing lineup? Is it Akpala or is it home? And, you know, like, unless, I mean, Akpala, he has a lot to prove this year. And, and like, he just does. Yeah. He has a ton to prove. And Holmes is a proven, you know, player in this league. And he's a good defender. I mean, two seasons ago, he finished with the best. Um, you know, isolation field goal percentage. I mean, that's he, he can hang his hat on that at least. And, you know, he's proven that he can hang with those, you know, quicker guys out on the perimeter and stuff like that. So, I mean, Holmes has already proven himself in this league. Akpala, yeah, he has the potential to be the better defender. And you can argue he already is. But in, until I see that, um, you know, I, I you know, it might just have to go to Holmes. And, but, and obviously, overall, Holmes is just a better player. And so, yeah, and also it comes down to, and like, and also it always comes down to matchups too. So it's just like, yeah, it's never gonna be one solution. Like Mike Brown said, there's gonna be like eight or nine guys that play every night, and there's gonna be like nine or, you know, the ninth or tenth guy are gonna be like iffy on a given night, and they might, and that tenth guy might change from time to time. Like things are gonna be very fluid, matchup based, hot hand. So that'll be interesting. Cause it's like, if Akpal is hitting the three at like even like 33 or 34%, like, on like open catch and shoot, like even like if that's a little higher on those specific looks, it's just like, man, that's like a dream. I don't know. Yeah. It, it feels almost good to too good to be true. And it's like he hit the two in the last game against Los Angeles, so it's there. He hit two in one game. I mean, it's definitely there. Um, it could be a comfort level thing, but if we're talking about a comfort level thing, we'll see what happens when the lights come on. Uh, essentially, um, but. Yeah, it's a it's a good one for Holmes. Uh, I don't know if you have anything more to add to that. Um, no, not really. Like I it's love like Holmes. Um, yeah, he's just he's been awesome since he's come to SAC, and you know I, I'm glad we didn't trade him, and I hope he can really embrace that role off the bench. But I think just you know for his love for the city, um, and, and just the energy he already plays with, I, I don't see it being an issue. And you know you kind of like question that. Last year, uh, after Sabonis came in, but then it's like, oh, he has like this off-court thing with his son, and it's like, okay, like completely understandable. And I, I don't know. I, I think he's, I think he's, he's going to be great, and he's just going to make up one of the, I think, one of the better bench units in the NBA. I mean, Holmes, yeah. Mitchell, and Monk alone, and if Murray's going to be coming off the bench from the get-go, oh right. man, that's going to be a good got- bench right there. And you got a great, like, the personnel at center is deep. It's like Alex Lenz, your third. Yeah. You have two starters, essentially. Um, Because Holmes would be starting on a lot of teams. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's. I think another thing, too, um, like, you listen to Holmes all training camp and the interviews and stuff that uh, I've got to see him in. You know, he's confident. He seems really, like, you know, like, kind of carefree and happy and, you know, it's just that's kind of the mood of the club, but uh, 
you know, it, it's it's good. It's a positive sign. I, I think that's a good good pick. I think um, for me, I think a guy that's going to exceed expectations, and I think people are already trying to hop on this bandwagon, and I think I get to call this a bandwagon um, because uh, I think Terrence Davis is going to be a huge part of this team. Um, I think especially when you start talking about the day that Keegan Murray starts at the four, which could be sooner than later. I don't know. I kind of think we'll talk about that in a bit, but you know, I kind of think you'll probably see Akpala start there for a little bit. But once you see Murray coming in as a starter, I think, you know, that might boost Terrence Davis's numbers, but I think already, I mean, minutes, I think already his minutes are going to be pretty high. I think he's already in that kind of nightly category because you're going to see a lot of three guard lineups. You saw it a lot against the Lakers in that last game. And Terrence Davis is such a good, he's just, he's been aggressive and he's been effective. Um, and you've seen him improve along the way throughout uh, the preseason. You know, I think he was in the first preseason game, maybe the second one. He got, he, he, he gave up like three easy cuts or whatever. He missed his assignment and he got pulled. Um, and, you know, it's all about, he mentioned how it's all about accountability with Mike Brown. And, then he bounced back and he's basically had a pretty good shooting throughout all the games. And he's been very effective. And like I said, he's been an aggressive ball handler, whether he's just going to go attack the basket or, you know, getting a pick coming off a screen, passing it off of that. And, you know, I think just seeing him invigorated, he's already an undrafted guy. He's coming off an injury where he was playing really well for this team. And he's, he's all of a sudden, you know, in a good way, he sees this in a positive light. He's all of a sudden got these two really good shooting guards on the team on top of having two really good point guards. And, you know, it, it doesn't look super bright. And he just comes out and he brings it. He's got that undrafted spirit coming off the injury. He's also going into a contract year. I just think things are coming together for this guy. And I think he wants to go out there and prove something. And I just think every time he's going to get the ball, he's going to – be aggressive. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to just kind of come out with that killer mentality. But at the same time, you know, he's bought into the, to the accountability aspect of things. You know, he's been calling it healthy competition all year. He knows he's got to play well. He's knows he knows he's got to play smart. I think things can really come together for him and he can make a huge impact even with guys like Herter and Monk getting significant minutes and shots. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I end up being wrong. Maybe I just watching too much preseason, but um, I think Davis can really come around. And on that aspect of just getting better, you know, he was getting in trouble for his defense. He's, you know, hasn't proven that he's a great defender, but he's getting the hang of it. He looked better on rotations. He looked better in sync with his teammates out there. And uh, I don't know. I, I'm a big fan of Terrence Davis. I think for some of the reasons I listed there, but you know, I, I expect big things from him. Yeah, I, and that's a good call too. I I remember getting Davis. Um, I've been happy with him over the you know, I mean year and a half we've had him, even though he didn't play much last year due to injury. And you know he 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 does have a lot of proof being behind Herter and Muck now, but I mean he seems to be up to the, for the challenge. I really hope that he can, you know, be plugged into the three uh, position behind Barnes, I guess, off the bench, because, I mean, that hole technically is, you know, a hole, or that spot's a hole at the moment. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. he, he has the opportunity to earn minutes there as long as he can guard at three position decently. And, you know, he's only 6'4", but, I mean, you've mentioned it uh, ample times that he has a 6'9 wingspan. So, um, yeah, I didn't even know, mention that. Good job. <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, he definitely – he's good. He's a good shooter. Um, he's a good on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he's seemingly only getting better. He was playing very well at the end – well, not the end of last year, but, you know, before he got injured. Um, so, I yeah, Davis, I, I think he will, you know, earn earn more minutes than you think being behind Herder and Monk. So, um, you know, I, I'm happy for Davis, and I hope he can just, you know, keep continuing continuing to grow in sack. So, good, good choice. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to transition from there, unless you have more on Davis. No, no, no. Go ahead. So, so the second question was, who do I think will underperform or not live up to expectations? And kind of playing off to Davis, I think it's going to be Malik Monk. And I hate to say that, and I don't think Malik Monk's going to be bad or anything, because he was, you know, our big free agent signing this offseason. But I say that just because he's getting a lot of hype. Um, for all the right reasons, he had a great year in Los Angeles last year in what was, you know, the, the state of LA last season. Um, he's, you know, teaming up with his college teammate <laughs> in Deer and Fox, you know, um, people are excited to see that. I'm not saying he's going to have a bad year. I think he's still going to be a really important piece, especially off the bench for this team. I just don't see him. I don't see him having as good of a year as he did last year in LA points wise, percentage wise, efficiency wise. I think he will drop a little, not like drastically. I'm not saying like, yeah, Malik Monk, he's going to play himself out of the rotation. Like, no, he's still going to be important, but um, yeah, I just, I just don't think he's going to have as good of a season next year. He's going to a lot of, or he's not going to have as good as the season this year as he did last season. And just that, added hype teaming up with Fox again. I think it's just like kind of inflating what he is. Um, So I just don't, I don't know. I think he's going to put up good numbers. They're not going to be eye popping or anything, but um, I think people are like, Oh, okay. Like this is monk, but he's still going to be good. I don't know. I I don't like, I didn't like answering this question. Um, No, 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 I know it's, 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 it's tough, but you want to hear something funny? Yeah. Malik monk was my pick too. Oh, okay. You make me feel better. But, uh, and I think it's, I think I agree with everything you said. Um, I think like just bullet points, like I think that he's got better talent around him. He's not going to be getting like the volume of looks and as much maybe rhythm, maybe you would say, as he did in Los Angeles. I mean, he was their best offensive player last year. Like, I mean, like that's not a good thing for your team, but he's, you know, he was a focal point um, off the bench, but he started like, 25 or 30 games or something like that um so you know i think that'll come down i think you know uh, he did have a really good statistical year he thought shot like 39 percent from three last year and or, um so that i don't know he'll probably be somewhere around there but and i, I agree that he's not going to fall out of the rotation he's going to be a huge you know volume scorer off the bench you're going to need that especially if we're talking about murray starting um that's and he has good chemistry with the second unit like i said like him and holmes even in a couple of games looked pretty good but him and mitchell and 
you know, usually whoever else is out there. Um, he, he seems to kind of have a good flow and have a good chemistry off the floor as well with everybody. But I point to the defense. He's been the, one of the worst defenders on this team already. And that's no surprise to anybody because when we got him, you know, essentially when we got rid of DiVincenzo and got Malik Monk, it was like, okay, we got a much more efficient and killer sharpshooter. But we got a way worse defender. Like, man. He's not so bad when he's engaged with the guy. It's actually kind of interesting when he's on ball on a guy. It's not like he's like getting beat. He's just not the biggest guy, six one. Um, but he's just like like one of the things that I was talking about with Terrence Davis is like, oh, he kind of got a little lost out there and let guys, you know, come around on a backside cut or get an easy cut in the middle of the floor. And, you know, he didn't let that stand because he wasn't allowed to let that stand. And Malik Monk, really, I don't have seen much defensive improvement from him. I think, again, like in a team sense, like on rotations, he's pretty decent when everything's in, in flow. But it's like just some guys get past him. And it's just like there are things that are not getting mended. And I get it. It's early. Um, we'll see. This defense is going to be a work in progress. They're not going to be playing their best defense in October, I don't think. Or maybe they are. I don't know. But um, – you know, I think at the end of the day, Malik Monk's going to be playing himself out of a lot of opportunities. If, you know, like if the Kings are up in a game, like, I don't know, you like, you're not going to see Malik Monk as much down the stretch. If he, especially if he's letting guys through, if he's, you know, a, a crack in the bottom of the boat, that's not good. And, uh, you know, he'll make up for it and he'll be used obviously very heavily for his ability to score. But I, I just point to that defense and it's just like, I mean, I think there are other guys that are probably worse defenders on this team. Um, I'm not going to name a name, but uh, <laughs> it, he just, he's just not he's, – he's shown the least improvement. He was already coming in um, as one of the worst defenders on the team. So that's the reason for me. I don't know if you want to add anything to Monk, but I had a backup just in case. Um, no, I don't really – I mean, I could have mentioned defense. Yeah, but and, yeah, you're completely right. But who was your who was your number two? And again, this and this one's like a backup only in the sense that I'm going to talk about one thing. Um, so I'm not talking about a player necessarily falling under expectations, but I'm going to talk about a player's one particular aspect of his game, I guess, and that's De'Aaron Fox's three point shooting. Um, I think a lot of people have been dazzled by his three point shooting in the preseason. And he shot just under 36% in the preseason from three, um, which if he shoots that in, during the season, if he's shooting around 36%, that's really good. And I'm not taking that away from him, but I just don't know how many pull-up attempts he's going to be getting. He took of his 14 attempts. Um, he took, uh, or his 15 attempts. Wait, I have it here. His 15 attempts. Um, no, no, his, he took 14 total attempts this offseason, 13 of which were catch and shoot, and one of which was pull-up, and he hit the, the pull-up. And he's historically better at the pull-up uh, three. Uh, and down the stretch, he shot closer to f- like 38% on pull-up shots, and he was closer to 31%, I think, on catch and shoot after the Sabonis trade in that 15-game stretch where he played before he got hurt. Um, and, you know, he's... He's only made uh, four of 13 of his uh, catch-and-shoot looks, which is around 30%. 
And I just think that most of these ones that are coming to him, as you can tell, obviously, the volume is uh, 13 of 14 being catch and shoot. He's going to be getting a lot of catch and shoot looks. I, you know, I, I wonder how well he's really going to shoot over the course of the season. Because I don't think he's going to shoot 36%, honestly. I would, if someone was saying the, the uh, over under 35 point, you know, whatever he shot in preseason, 35.7%, I would go under overall in the season. I don't think he's going to be able to shoot great. You know, all year. I think there'll be times where he gets on fire and he hits a full, few pull up ones and like he's going to look great. But it's like there's obviously it's a different thing. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I just think I just feel like there's been a little bit of talk about Darren Fox from Beyond the Arc. And I just I don't I think he's going to have a great year. <laughs> I, I think I said last time he's going to score somewhere around, you know, he's going to be approaching 28 points a game. I really think. I mean, he was shooting, uh, he was he was scoring over twenty eight points a game in that fifteen game stretch I was talking about. I, I'm not taking away from what he's able to do. He's he's I would still say he's scoring on all three levels. And the fact that he was shooting on a small sample size, close to thirty six percent in the preseason, hitting his mid range pull ups and uh, off of screen and rolls and whatnot, and obviously getting into the paint and downhill to score. You know he he can do it all three levels to a certain extent, but it's just like. I just don't know how it's not going to be great from three. I don't know. I think it's going to be better. And I'm not taking away from the fact that it is going to be better. I just think step back. And this was my backup. So this is a reason I didn't pick this one. Um, <laughs> talk about, talk about talking about something you don't want to talk about. Cause it's just like, nah, that's going to get misconstrued. It's like, you just fucking, you just hating on Fox. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. No, I mean, you, you bring up valid points. Um, yeah, he ended the season shooting 36% from three on that crazy run he had to end the year. But, I mean, expecting 36% from Fox all season, um, you know, that's a bit of a, a stretch. I mean, I'm hoping, I mean, we're all hoping he can do it, right? I mean, if Fox can shoot 36% from three, that's awesome. But, I mean, historically, he's just, he's just not there. At all. I mean, even last year, I mean, he only shot, like, like what, 32, 33% from three total? Maybe even I, less? I, I, I don't think remember. he shot 29% last year. For the whole season? Yeah, 29.7%. He's a career 32% three-point shooter. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think he will improve his three-point shooting percentage, but I'm looking more around 33% this year. Um and that's Fox. I mean, unless he's really taking strides in his shooting, um, like 33% is technically still an improvement. And 36% is, you know, a stretch, like I said, and like a dream that we all hope that he can achieve uh, and reach. But uh, I mean, like you said, his catch and shoot numbers are low um, compared to yeah, his no, I just want to... I just want to clear up those numbers because it's such a small sample size. I don't want to get caught on the percentage things. But since I was getting saying he's shooting close to 36% in the preseason, it's probably confusing. But on those, what, four of 13 catch and shoot attempts, like that's 30%. That's 30% from three. Like that's, it's a small sample size. So that's a big jump. But like, just to be clear, that's going to be the highest volume of shot shots from three he gets. I just want to exactly. clear that up because I don't think I said that in the best way. No, and I appreciate it. Like, that's all I was going to say. It's going to be his highest amount of shots with Sabonis, you know, doing most of the passing. He's going to have a lot of catch-and-shoot looks, and 
if you know, like he's, that's his highest volume of threes, then expect his three point shot being being a little lower, I guess. Yeah, but, but uh, I feel it. It's hard to it's hard to talk poorly about the franchise guys, cornerstone. No, and, and we're realistic. And yeah, and also I didn't want to just like cop out and be like, "Well, Shimozi Metu," because like we could. <laughs> It's like Chimamoneke. He just, you know what? <laughs> I know. I didn't want to say that either. I think Chimamoneke is probably just probably just gonna be he's probably gonna plateau. I don't still think he's gonna be active that much. Um, but yeah, uh, of course. Good for him. I think that they're investing smartly in a guy. Basically, I mean, he got signed to a two-year deal, right? So did he? I don't know. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. Stop yeah, me. I have no idea either. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. uh, just uh, you know, to talk about that, I guess um, you know we could start with. I mean, well, actually, I want to start with Akpala because it's really easy. Because we've known for like the last two or three weeks that Akpala was going to make this team. I think just the it was obvious that he probably had the most trust from Mike Brown as it was of the three players that came from the Nigerian national team, which includes Metu and uh, the starts in it's the defensive ability and the way they can use him on that end of the floor is, you know, it just seemed like this guy's going to be on the team. He's going to play a fair bit, probably based on matchups. He's probably going to start on opening night. If Keegan Murray can't play, which he, you know, as of now, doesn't seem to be any closer to playing. So, um, you know, expect him to be the starter going in. Uh, even if Murray was playing, wouldn't be surprised to see him start. So, like, there's really no surprise with Akpala. I think when the final cuts came along and Akpala made the team, that's not really – that wasn't the main center of the fo- focus. Neither really was Della Vadova because Quinn Cook got cut, but I could still see it. It's good to know that he got um, – uh, I should say uh, uh, Cook was waived, not cut. But, um, you know, we, we kind of knew that that meant that Della Vadova was going to be on the team. But it did mean something for – the other two guys, um, Moneke, what we were saying. And I just think like everything that Moneke gives you is like, you can totally build off of that. There's a ceiling there that need, can be filled out and he's never played in the NBA before. And, you know, Mike Brown believes in him. He's in an environment where he's comfortable and it seems like it's a pretty positive environment. So I think it's just like, especially if you're going to keep that 14th or 15th guy on the roster that enact those two inactive spots, it's just like who better. And like when he gets his opportunities to play, um, he really proved it in the last preseason game that he can go in there and be pretty effective. And you saw it in like the last practice before that preseason game, he was with the starters because um, uh, Murray was hurt. And I think Akpala had just, he hadn't started the previous preseason game. Uh, Trey Lyles did. Um, and Chima was playing with the starters and he got good minutes with primary rotation guys in the last preseason game. And I think that was huge. Cause it's like, okay, okay. So you put him around really good talent. He knows how to fill in the cracks. He never gives up on plays. He plays hard. He tries to do the right thing and he's improved at doing the right thing. Like I said, he, you know, I think that first game against LA things were pretty rocky, but you think about it, the last game with LA, I mean, he looked great. And I think he's just the perfect guy that you want to keep there. And we said it at the beginning of training camp. It's like, this guy is an energy guy and he's an effort guy. People are going to really fall in love with him. 
you know, not just because of the underdog story, not just because of the UC Davis story, but because of what he does, how he plays. And it's good to see that that is exactly, you know, paired with the background he has with Mike Brown. You know, it's so good to see that that paid off. And I think that that could really, you know, turn into something really good uh, in terms of a guy that can function on this team as a role player. Yeah, I, I mean, we, it's kind of funny, like the last four guys, like to, I guess, make that cut before Merrill got cut, um, that we all kind of had questions about, were the four guys on this team now that played under Mike Brown when Mike Brown was a head coach, which was, you know, Del Vadova back in Cleveland, and then the three Nigerian national team members. And I think that's important in itself because, especially with these four guys, I mean, it sounds like Akpala will get some starts uh, to begin the season um, and probably have more rotational minutes than maybe Matu, Delvadova, and Moneke, um, you know, as the season goes on. But it's important, it's important to have these guys who know Mike Brown's system, who won't be playing too much, you know, and will have to be plugged in here and there. But at least you can be confident in knowing that when they do you know, get some playing time that they know the system as well as, you know, the starters because they've been here before. This isn't technically their first rodeo under Mike Brown's system. You know, they've done it before. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also important to know. Yeah, no, that's definitely true. Um, and, you know, moving on to Metu, which is like, we talked about it last week. It's like Metu's entering his third year at the Kings, his fifth season in the league. Um, how much more evaluation this guy do you need? And if Mike Brown has trust in him, if Mike Brown thinks he can bring the best out of him, well then, you know, what the hell? I mean, he, he's going to know that better than anybody, I guess. And we're going to find out if that's true or not. Um, but again, like we are talking about the bottom of the roster. So it's not like, you know, these guys are going to have to really do kind of like go above and beyond what they're expected to really get more play time than they're going to be awarded, you know, as it stands. Um, but I just, I just, I still can't help but wonder um, what Chemezi Metu adds to this team. Um, I mean, I get, I get what he adds to this team. I think he can be good in the pick and roll uh, as a, maybe a, a kind of get up there for an alley-oop. Maybe do a little pick and pop. Um, he, if he can get in rhythm, his shot can go down um, from three or from mid-range. But it's just like, other than that, it's just like, I don't see him being that kind of like steady, beating, constantly moving player like Akpala or Moneke. Metu just seems a lot more, he kind of, he seems like he's got that scorer's mentality. He wants the ball in his hands. Yeah, he'll hold it for a long time too. And I just, I wonder, like we said it a few weeks ago, it's like, would you be surprised if Chemezi Metu's not on this roster anymore, not with this team by the end of the season? And of course, like none of us would be surprised. Um, and I'm rooting for him to be able to do the right thing. I mean, like if he can go out there and be effective, if he can be utilized in the ways that I said um, and hit his shots when they, they come without forcing them and trying to do the little things, you know, then all the power to him. But it's just like, is that Jim Metu? 
<laughs> no, <laughs> of course not. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we've seen Matthew. This will be his third year. We know what he's capable of, and we know the many things he's not. Um, and I mean, enough said, really. He's just, he's, you brought him in to be a stretch four, and he, he's not. He just, he can't shoot at a high enough clip to be considered a stretch four. And yeah, maybe Mike Brown, like you said, pick and roll, whatever. Um, maybe he can utilize him in a better way, but I mean, already at that power forward position, it's getting kind of crowded. Um, so I, it's, we'll see. I mean, I, this might be the last, the last year that Matthews in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or the better um, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll we'll just have to see. We'll see. Maybe he'll prove us wrong. Mezzi Mamba might come out and stay. Yeah. Most I mean I always hope people prove me wrong, but I mean at this point exactly. what we've seen is just you know, the the odds are against him. The yeah, numbers nothing, don't lie. The thing uh, there's nothing that would make me more happy, honestly, than to see Malik Monk make an all-defensive team, Darren Fox be in the three-point shooting contest and win it, um, <laughs> and and then see Metu be part of this rotation nightly. Um, There's nothing make me happier, but do I, would I put money on that stuff? No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's Metu for um, you. Yeah, just to get into more uh, positives and negatives of this team, um, what do you what, what do you see the strengths and weaknesses of this club is? Um, the, you know, I mean, I'll start off with the strengths um, from what we've seen in preseason. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like this is this is like we're not, we haven't even driven this car off the lot yet, so you know we're just looking at it. Um, for sure, the strengths from past years is going to have to be ball movement. I mean, the, the ball is just moving around beautifully in preseason. You obviously have some bonus now running things for a full year. It's going to help out a lot. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just beautiful to see the Kings are always an ISO team. And that's, you know, a reason they've been so bad, especially they didn't have guys who should ever be going ISO, really. So, I mean, you have Fox and you have Barnes, but, I mean, it kind of ends there. So, it, it's been awesome to see the ball movement. I hope that continues all season long because the best teams, you know, they're, they're the teams with the highest assists, uh, you know, per made shot. So, yeah, they um, had the seventh best assist percentage in preseason at 66.9%. Wow. No, that's awesome. And it's just something that's going to have to continue. And, like, to pair with that, too, it's the shooting. And the Kings had just been, like, ever since the NBA really started to, you know, go to the long ball and with the staff revolution, they just, they just been awful. <laughs> they didn't three. They're just so bad every year. It's like, and the Kings are 13 for 39 from three tonight or eight for 41. I was like, what is Oh, my God. They hit a three, guys. Jeez. And so it's, I mean, shoot, they hit what, 23s twice this preseason? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, that's awesome. And, and shoot, it looks like, I mean, why not? Why can't they continue that? 
um, going into the season. I mean, just make threes, make threes and three point percentage. That's going to be huge. And they have the pieces to do it. They got Herder. They got Monk. Oh, yeah. they, Fox hopefully can boost that percentage a little. Murray looks like he's going to be knocking down threes all year long. Barnes is a very underrated three point shooter. I think he shot like 40% from three last year. Um, yeah. Yeah, With so like it's, the second most attempts on the team behind Buddy Heald. And forgot about Buddy. This team shot, they hit 11.4 three-pointers a game, which is good for 25th in the league, at a 34.4% clip from that range, which is good for 24th in the league. And McNair has turned a weakness into a strength. And you can already tell. I and mean, then you were looking at it on paper in four, four season uh, preseason games. But... <laughs> And I don't think there's any doubt that this is definitely a strength of the team. Especially if you get a little bit of, even that moderate, you know, 34% shooting from three from Fox and uh, a, a more consistent year from three from Davion Mitchell. Like, uh, I mean, you're looking at a situation where Harrison Barnes is like your second your or your first best three-point shooter um, to being like not a primary option as a three-point shooter, you know? But and that's all. that's all for the better. Um, he's still going to hit his looks and get them. Mm-hmm. So, and it's like, you think about it, it's like, man, like two out of every five shots they shoot are like threes. And it's about the same ratio for the shots they make. And so like, it's, it's big volume and it works. And, uh, so definitely a nice strength and they're going to need it. 100%. What, what about you? What do you got for strengths? I think you hit the two strengths that I like. Um, I would extend the ball movement to also just the player movement, getting up and down the floor, getting back mm-hmm. on defense, but also getting back on offense quickly and keeping the defense on their heels. Um, that just constant movement, just the frenetic energy that Mike Brown's bringing. But um, I think a huge, a huge strength of this team is rebounding. And, um, you know, this team in the preseason well first of all like they have sabonis you know they have like i said they have trey lyles um keegan murray is a hard worker on the glass we'll see what he does this season harrison barnes is is a very efficient player on the glass who's done very well in the offensive glass in preseason and you know backing up some of these guys they got some other size and whatnot they're going to be a good rebounding team and in the preseason um you know, they ranked seventh in offensive rebounds a game and ninth in rebounds. Um, and they, they gave up the second least offensive rebounds. So they're securing possessions. And again, that's a small sample size, but that was a huge problem last season. They never secured possessions. You could see it in is that freaking, you know, Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon, like, I'm getting too old for this shit. Seeing freaking Alvin Gentry go like, yeah, we just everybody needs to get active on the glass, like after a game where they lose the rebounding battle by like 25 and you know, he's, he's just sitting there rubbing his forehead, just being like, you know, it's everybody's got to be active. You have to secure possessions as part of defense. And it just seems like everybody gets that on the squad. And like I said, some of the guys I highlighted there, like they have some really proficient rebounders and rebounding is a lot like defense in the sense that, you know, everybody's got to be committed to it. And when you combine it with that, you know, got to move it all the time get your butt up the floor like 
that's just a perfect balance because there's so many teams that will attack the glass and then they're giving up points in transition. You know how it works. They need to keep, if they can keep that balance like they're doing, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty good. You know, they were giving up, I think the least fast boys, fast break points in the preseason as well. So just to add that in there, but again, they were a lot stronger than these teams they were playing. Like <laughs> that last game against LA, that was a, that was a really bad team. Um, like when they played Portland, that was they looked totally like they looked in training camp mode, and then the Suns had like half their roster gone. But yeah. still, the rebounding insane, and I think that's huge. You got to secure those possessions, baby, and get extra offense there. So, I mean, I, I think that that is that's a big one. No, I, but, you're uh, completely right. I I, totally, I kind of forgot about rebounding. It was. <laughs> It was so bad. It was it was so frustrating to watch. And like, yeah, seeing like the the rebounding margins, and we we're like getting out rebounded by like twenty a game, and that was kind of like the issue with Holmes at the center. He was he just was too small against those big guys. When like a Valanciunas, you know, faces off against one or Gobert, he's just getting out rebounded big time. Um, yeah, it just, you know, it kills your chances, especially on the offensive glass when you're giving up those um, offensive rebounds consistently. It's just second chance points. Um, so yeah, I mean, Sabonis definitely getting him has really, you know, solidified the rebounding down low. Um, and like we were kind of saying, like getting Barnes is not, not like a focal scorer on this team and him kind of taking a backseat to do like the little things like he does well, like defense and, you know, rebounding too. And he's been active on those offensive, uh, you know, on the offensive glass and stuff like that. So uh, rebound is important. It's like one of those little things where she's like, just grab the ball, you know, but you know, it's a little more than that. And they've, um, they definitely look like they've improved <laughs> definitely from the last couple of seasons. Yeah. I think that's gonna but, be um, huge. And I think that's also a sign of commitment. Just like I said, with defense, yeah. like if people are bought into it, they'll, they'll, they'll do it. And if that's how they get playing time, you know, that's your job at that point. What do you, um, what do you have for some of their weaknesses? Um, I think probably there's, there's, it's, it's hard to say weaknesses. Um, I think because there's an unproven element here that might be a weakness, but I think the two obvious weaknesses, if we're talking about what we kind of seen are, they got to stop fouling. Um, I think they gave, they had 28.3 personal fouls as a team a game in these four preseason games, which was third most in the preseason. We're talking about how they were playing subpar talent. Well, they were not playing with the discipline of a team that was better than the teams they were playing. Um, So that definitely needs some work. And you can tell if Mike Brown had hair, he'd be tearing his hair out about that. Um, Probably going to get that joke a lot. (laughs) tenure, But um, yeah, That's, I think, a huge one. And then, obviously, it's a, been a focus. You see it in training camp all the time. Although, it seems like they've been hitting them in practice pretty well. Um, free throws. They shot 67% as a team from the free throw line, which was good for second to last in the preseason. And, you know, like I'm thinking about like when Fox got fouled on a three-point attempt uh, against the Lakers. <laughs> Is that an air conditioner? <laughs> uh, no. Not past. I mean, they're all good. 
But uh, <laughs> what was I think that? someone's using water on like another, like above me or something. <laughs> I didn't think you could hear that. My bad. That was crazy. But um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, the um, the three point attempt though that Darren Fox took and got fouled on. You know, it's three. You know, opportunities for points, an easy bucket there, and he goes up there and muffs the first two and gets the last one. And it's just like, you got to be able to get those. You really got to be able to capitalize on those opportunities. Um, I, I It sounds like such a tough-ass thing to say, but it's just like, that's kind of, I mean, that you hear it at every level of basketball, you know, from the one level of basketball I played from. Uh, but uh, that you got to hit those, those, those shots. Those are free points. And you think about it, it's like, well, what was if, you know, that becomes something in a big moment where Fox needs to hit at least two or three. And you, you know, you're not sure he can, I don't know. Maybe the clutch factor comes into things. I don't know, but it's just also like, what if that's a four point play opportunity? Are you going to be able to capitalize on those? You're going to be able to get that free throw, that, that cherry on top. I don't know. It just, and it extends from the top down. I mean, like everybody's got to be able to hit these You're shooting 67% as a team. And you can't do that. <laughs> That's really bad. Yeah, no, it's it's terrible. It's frustrating to watch. Um, ever since Fox came into the league, he's been a bad free throw shooter for a guy who gets to the line, you know, more often than not. And so, I mean, he's like just like his three point shooting. Like he's really gonna have to uh, improve on that, you know, from the charity stripe and. Like, I hope he can, and, you know, the whole team does too, and even Sabonis isn't the best free throw shooter, and, I mean, the only, I mean, you know, Barnes and I'm assuming Monk and Herter are pretty decent from the line, mm-hmm. but, you know, it does. It's it, Those are free points you're giving away, and the Kings last couple of years haven't, you know, been the best from the line, and, of course, that's going to hurt your chances every time. They're free points you're giving them away. That's a, that's a great weakness that they're going to have to improve on, and hopefully they can. Mm-hmm. Because nothing's more frustrating than seeing, you know, you know, you, the te- a team lose because you lose by five, but you have ten missed free throws. You know, it's just it's the worst. Yeah, and it, especially when you know, just kind of the way the the league works now is just like you can lose by a few possessions. You know, you got to maximize any opportunity to score. Like it, you can't. I don't even think there are words to express how important that is. Um, in such an offensive centric league, you got to be able to maximize every opportunity and free throws are big. So they got to shoot at least they got to, they got to get that percentage up pretty significantly, get it at least up into the mid seventies. I mean, like, I don't know. Um, they do, I guess, you know, it's kind of a look at the. Because uh, we have a game coming up, <laughs> wouldn't be a wouldn't be a bad opportunity, I guess, to kind of preview opening night against the Trailblazers from Portland. Uh, what do you like? What do you see? What do you? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's probably not terrible. They played what a week ago or so, um, in the preseason, um. I think Jeremy Grant looked like their best player. Damian Lillard's probably coming along. Uh, what do you what do you see? I think the 
Kings are one and a half point favorites, I think, in this one. So, well, this is going to be the first game under Mike Brown, which is, you know, I think when you have a new coach, I think a team always like plays better in that first game. Um, so I think that's an advantage right there. But to kind of give a little more preview to this game, Keegan Murray might be out. Um, unfortunately, I'd be really upset if he doesn't play. Um, and even Kevin Herter, he's like questionable at the moment with an ankle thing going on, which would be upsetting too. It's like two of your newer guys who might miss opening night. We'll see, fingers crossed, that they can make it tomorrow. Um, but right now they're kind of like on that cusp. But, um, you know, Portland, familiar face. Like we play them all the time in the regular season. Uh, they're one of those teams this year that the Kings are going to have to prove that they're better than um, – I honestly, were were we better than them last year? It was a weird season. Didn't really matter. Um, but you know, Portland, they got Lillard back. They got you know Josh Hart. They got Jeremy Grant. Uh, they're gonna be a team that's you know gonna be trying for that playing spot, just like the Kings are. So it's gonna be an important uh, way to start off on the right foot on opening night. I, I mean, the Kings are at home. Like I said, the Mike Brown era is beginning. Uh, I, I do have the Kings winning this one. Um, I don't know. The Portland, I, they, they are going to be a team going for that playing spot, but I, I think the Kings are just a better team. Uh, I think they just have more depth. I think they have more, um, you know, quality players. I mean, you do have Lillard, but, I mean, that Fox and Sabonis duo is, I think, better than any duo that they have. And that's important right there. And so... Even without Murray or Herter, it'll be a little closer, but I still think the Kings can pull it off. Or yeah, pull I it think... out, I guess. <laughs> Why, whichever, <laughs> big dog. <laughs> but, um, uh, <laughs> uh, I think another advantage is, you know, like the Kings were, you know, they went 4-0 in the preseason. They were one of the, they, were, they had the best plus minus you know, we were saying some of these stats, they were hitting their threes pretty efficiently. They were holding their teams to, I think they had a defensive efficiency of, like they were holding the opponent's team to such low points. Their defensive rating was 85.9. And again, it's preseason against some terrible teams. I don't want to overstate that. But um, they're coming in and they, 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 I think one of the things that you noticed, you know, against the, the, trailblazers in the preseason was you know and i think i said this already but the kings really looked ahead of schedule you know all the preparation that they've done in the summer even before training camp started you know guys going to sabonis's house in napa or whatever the deal is um, guys getting together at the facility a month before training camp playing pickup games or even the added element of Eurobasket for some of these guys you know, like that, I think, plays a huge factor into things. And that new coach thing and the engagement he had with the players, too, throughout the process, even when the Warriors were in the finals, he was engaged with uh, Kings players and whatnot and what was going on. Because I think that's when some of them started getting together. Because I think some of them went to the finals games and whatnot. Like, this team has been connected. Kind of touches upon what we were saying, how, like, this is this excitement for the season has been starting since the Sabonis trade. Like, it didn't start in April. It started in February. And, uh, you know, it's, I think that's this team has momentum. They have continuity, despite being completely new for the most part. 
they have continuity of chemistry. Um, they're not really coming out trying to figure things out to a huge degree. Of course, I think things won't run 100% smoothly on opening night. Um, but, you know, I think this team, they look they look prepared and they look ready to go. And uh, I don't I don't watch the Trailblazers. I don't cover the Trailblazers. So I don't know. I can't speak for them. But all I know is, you know, they weren't anywhere close to that uh, in the in that second preseason game. Um, and I'm sure that they're a lot better and ready to go themselves. But, you know, they got Gary Payton's out. You know, I think uh, I don't know, for our half, I think Herter on Monday participated in everything except contact stuff in practice. And the day previous, he didn't even do non-contact stuff. So there was progression there. Um, and so we'll see what we'll see about today and for tomorrow. But that's, you know, essentially two days there to be able to get a little better. Um, so this is, there's hope there. But yeah, he's still uncertain. But uh, I don't know how things. I don't think things look great for Murray playing. But you know, still this this is gonna have that next man up mentality and guys. It's not like guys are coming off of you know a month of regular season where um, guys that aren't really in the rotation all of a sudden have to step up into the rotation, figure it out. They're coming off of preseason, so a lot of these guys are kind of they all feel like they're coming off of pretty good minutes and you know game time. So I think that'll play into their advantage and. They should be able to adapt and uh, capitalize on the on the home crowd. No, can I've said it better myself? Where you know it's here. Um, the Kings look like they have the advantage tomorrow night, and you know all of this optimism going into the season and the waiting, and you know, uh, you know, just all of it. It's it's finally here, and we're gonna see how this team can finally play and. Man, I, I'm ready. I'm, I'll be there tomorrow night. Um, you know, if you're listening and you hear this, then, you know, hit me up. I'd love to link up and, you know, say hello to other Kings fans, talk some basketball. So uh, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a good start to the season. Excited for the Mike Brown era to start. And I'm hoping I can see Keegan Murray uh, live for the first time. But, you know, still waiting to hear on him. But, John. Um. You want to you want to do one last thing? You want to do some over unders real quick, a few minutes? Uh, sure. All right. So for wins, the over under is set at thirty three point five, and I would say I'll go over on that. Um, I'm not gonna give an exact projection. I don't know. Okay, you know what? I'll give an exact projection. Um, I think um, I I don't know. No, I'm gonna take the over. I'm gonna say that the Kings win somewhere closer to forty games. Um, I think that's kind of an easy over on the 33 and a half. Yeah, I, it should be an easy over. I mean, it'd be disappointing if they won any less than 33 games, um, or I guess any less than 34. So I'm definitely taking the over on this. I think they have the talent to do it. Yeah. Uh, they have some individual player stats that they got some over-unders on, which I think are really interesting. Uh, they got Darren Fox at 23 and a half points per game. Um, to note, he was scoring 28.9 points a game in the 15 games after the, the Sabonis trade. So I'm going to take the over on that. Yeah, easily taking the over on that as well. 
Um, yeah, he ended the season really well last year. He still averaged, I think, like 22 point something points a game last year just because of that slow start. But, I mean, you got to remember that year before he averaged 25.6, I believe. So he's definitely he definitely has it in him to average more than 23.5 points per game. And you would hope to see it over 25 and that is new, uh, I guess, career season high. Um, assists per game for Darren Fox, 6.5. I thought this was a good uh, threshold here to talk about. Um, I'm going to cite the 15 games with Domas again. He was getting 6.8 assists in those 15 games. Um, I, I, I kind of reluctantly take the over on this, but like it would be like it would be like 6.6 or 6.7, 6.8. Like I don't think it'll pro, uh, surpass seven a game. Yeah, I, I'm going to take the under. Just, I, I think it's going to be really close to around 6.5 as well. Um, I just think with the added ball movement and everyone kind of, you know, getting in on this passing thing, maybe Fox's attempts will go down and, instead of him just trying to work, you know, do it all himself. Um, the added ball movement, I think it'll, you know, affect his assist numbers, not in a bad way, but I'm, I'm just going to take the under on it. I think that's a fair point. I almost thought about that. But uh, Sabonis, 19.5 points per game. Uh, again, uh, just for the reference, you know, 15 or in the 15 games with Sack uh, that he played, uh, 18.9 points a game. Um, there's a plethora of shooters on this team. I, I think going below, I think he'll score probably eight, around 18, 18 and a half a game. I don't know about 19, 19 and a half. Yeah, I think so too. I think I'm going to take the under. I think he'll be around 18-ish as well. Um, especially with Fox, you know, he's he's your main scorer. Um, yeah, I just, I see him a little around that 18 mark too. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one. Sabonis, 12.5 rebounds per game. Um, He's only ever the highest he ever averaged in a season was 2019 and 2020, and that was 12.4. So it was just under. Um, and in the 15 games with Sack, it was around 12.3. So historically, he's hovering just below that. But maybe this is the year where he gets a little more. I'm gonna go with the fact that a little more activity on the glass from the guys around him. Uh, I'm going to say the under on 12.5. I think it'll be over 12 a game, but I don't know that it'll be 12.5. I think that's another kind of close one. That's another good set. Yeah. It's kind of like those that thing where it's like, I really want to take the over because I really hope. But being realistic, he's never even averaged 12.5 in a season. Like, no matter how close he's gotten, um, he hasn't done it yet. And he's a really good rebounder, one of the best rebounders in the league. So I would say that's like, you know, if he's doing 12.5, it's like, dang, that's a pretty good year. So I'm going to take the under just, I guess, to be safe. Although I really hope it's over. Of course, on all of these I do. But that's on that one especially. I think that one especially, it's like you can see him doing it a little more realistically than some of the other ones. Yeah. Um, I got to love Sabonis, another the third statistical over-under. 5.5 assists per game. Uh, uh for reference, those 15 games with Sack, he averaged 5.8 assists per game. Um, I think that he's going to be the primary assist guy on this team for the most part. Um, I, I, I think it'll be a little higher than that. Um, 
I think 5.5 is kind of, I wouldn't be surprised if it's somewhere around there, but it's like, if we're saying, I don't know. I still think, I, I think it'll be higher than that. I think it's almost kind of easy to say that it'll be over, but I don't want to go that far. No, I do. I, I think he'll average around seven. I think he's going to do more than Fox this year. Um, I just, he, especially with the added ball movement and everything going to be running through him. He's just such a, he's just such a, such a brilliant passer. I think he actually has that potential to do around seven a game. And I mean, I know he's kind of like Jokic in a way already, but I think he has, I think he's going to have a season where it's like, okay, like, I, I mean, not like baby Jokic, but just like, okay, like Sabonis is he not probably not going to be on Jokic's level. He's that dude's on another level, but you know, definitely make him another name for himself in this league because he's already a two-time all-star, but I think he's going to have like a resurgent year and, you know, a big man passing like that. It's, it just draws a lot of eyes. So I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be averaging a lot of assists. So I'm going to easily yeah. take the over on that. And then we got the rookie Keegan Murray. <laughs> I think this is interesting because um, just for reference for all the rookies, the kind of the top picks, they have Bancaro at 18.5 points a game, Jabari Smith Jr. at 15.5, uh, Ivy at 15.5, and, and Ben Mathurin at 14.5. They got uh, Keegan Murray at 17.5. Um, I go under on that. I think it'd be probably, I think it'd be like more like 16. He scored 16 in each of the preseason games. I mean, that's kind of a practical bet, I guess, at that point. I think with the rookie aspect of things, it's just you don't really want to commit to anything. So I'd play it really safe and go under on that. Yeah, you said it was 16 and a half or 17 Seven, and a half. 17 and a half. That's crazy. That's If he does that, I'll be like very excited. But I'm never that high on rookies. I think he's going to be more around... 13 14 i'm i mean i know he had a great preseason in summer league but man like you have sabonis and fox on this team too 17 and a half like they're expecting this like people <laughs> to put money that he's going to score around 18 a game that's crazy <laughs> like what yeah, I know. so no like definitely the under i think it's going to be way under that not in a bad way but that's a lot of points a game for a rookie who's not going to be your go-to scorer or even your second go-to scorer maybe but no. I think regardless of what – I just think 17.5 is just way too high. That's crazy. Um, six and a half rebounds. I know I said he's a good rebounder, but I just still think that that's kind of like – what? where would you get that number from? Um, I think six would have been a better placement, but I just don't know. I just – I don't know. I think I go under on that slightly. Yeah, I go under two just because Murray – I don't know. We don't know how it would be with other NBA players out there on the boards. 100%. Yeah, and, and, you know, he he might be on the perimeter more so than down low, and that's going to affect his chance of getting bored. So, yeah, I I have the under on that too. Um, And then we got Harrison Barnes at 14.5 points a game. He's a guy that scored over 16 16 points a game the last two seasons. Um, I go under just because of the added scoring around him. We've talked about his role kind of lessening, or at least the load of scoring lessening. Um, so I think that kind of plays into it. And I just think 14 and a half, I mean, like, yeah, uh, it's kind of, it doesn't make it super easy, but I still think it'll be under. Yeah. 
Uh, I mean, I was a, you know, I'm the big guy saying that Harrison Barnes is going to excel with the less workload. But it just sounds weird to hear Harrison Barnes score less than 14.5 points a game in my head. It's like, dang, I don't want Harrison Barnes scoring 13 points a game. I want him around that 15 where he's, you know, been since he's been in Sacramento. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I just, it's hard for me to imagine Harrison scoring less than 15 points a game or 14 and a half. So I'm going to go with the over, but I might eat my words on that. It's just completely instinctual here. Yeah. The next guys are kind of interesting as well. Uh, Herter at 12.5. Um, I have the over on that because I think Herter is going to be a pretty big scoring option on this team. Um, I think it would be closer – it would be over 13, closer to 14 a game, which would be a major step up for him in his career. But I think that's what he's getting here in Sacramento. Um, I know that he, you know, you're going to be playing behind Fox and Sabonis. Um, like you played against – you played behind uh, uh, you know, Trey Young and – John Collins, and even oh, Bogdanovich had more shot attempts than Herter in Atlanta. Um, so I think there's a slight, he's going to get a slight increase in points per game, and I think that would mean he'd score over 12.5. Um, yeah, that's a tough one. I, I'm yeah, going to go with the tough. under. I'm going to go with the under, but like 12 point, like two points a game. <laughs> you know, like very, barely, barely <laughs> under. Yeah, marginal. I don't know. I hope, I mean, of course, I hope he goes over, like I said, on everything. But um, I don't know. That, that's gonna, that's a tricky one, too. I think he's going to be right around 12.5. I mean, honestly, that's kind of a bet on the headband. Like, is that headband going to work or not? Dude, headband hurter. <laughs> awesome. The big hurt. The um, big hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Malik Monk at 11.5 points per game. I thought this one was also kind of tough. But, you know, I think for... I think it'd be. I, I wrote down under at first, but then I switched to over, which is remarkably easy to make an O or a U into an O. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm. I would say I don't know if it'd be quite twelve points per game, but I think it might be over eleven point five. That's me kind of riding the edge there. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I'm gonna go with the over too, just because. I mean, he's just gonna be that guy off the bench. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like how Buddy Heald was last year. Buddy was averaging, you know, more than 11.5 last year. So I'm going to go with the over. He's just going to have a lot of volume off the bench. Uh, yeah, and just for, so. and for reference, too, he averaged 13.8 points with LA last year. If we're talking about more scorers, a little less opportunity, I think that translates to being, you know, instead of 13.8, maybe 11.8. I think that was my rationale behind it. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Um. We might sound like complete idiots. <laughs> no, I think I think we did good. I think I mean. Oh, these... oh, oh we got Davion. We got Davion. Whoops. Um, Davion Mitchell at twelve point five points a game. Um, this one was tough as well, um, but I did the under because you know between the trade for Sabonis and the Fox injury, which was about fourteen games for Mitchell. He averaged 10.1 points per game. Uh, but granted, he was shooting 32.2% from three in that time, and I think that he'd be shooting a higher percentage. But I just think 12 and a half, like, I think he'll be averaging somewhere around 12 a game. I don't know. I just went with the under on that one. Yeah, my gut's telling me to take the under as well. 
Uh, 12.5. I mean, maybe if they said like 11 on the money, I'd be like, okay, it's interesting. But, he averaged um, 11 and a half last year a game. Did he really? Yeah, I think if I might have that in my notes here correctly, let me double check. I think just this year, though, with Monk and maybe sharing time with Murray a little off the bench and Holmes. Yeah, 11 and a half. That's surprising. But I don't know. I, I don't. I just see him. I'd see his, I don't know, not needing to score as much, I guess. I don't know if he was scoring a lot, but um, well, obviously 11.5. But um, I don't know. It's my gut again telling me to take the under on this. 12.5 seems a little, just a little high to me where I'm like, okay, yeah, it's under. It's, it's close. It really depends on how well he's shooting the three because, again, he shot, you know, 30, 31.6% from three last season. And it's like, man, if he's shooting over 33%, that, I mean, that might translate to significantly more points. Um, I don't know. So, like, 12 and a half was, that was an interesting, definitely kind of a tough one. But I, as much as I love Davion Mitchell, I think his impact is not necessarily going to be scoring, especially like, we're talking about how much Malik Monk is going to be a volume scorer in that second unit. You know, Mitchell is probably not going to get as many opportunities. And that's probably serving to the best interests of the team and to his strengths. But. Yeah. Well, that was fun though. It's, it's always, I don't know. I'm not like a big better or anything. So, um, I don't know. Definitely makes you think. And I don't know. Even without the money involved, even without the money involved, it's a good thing to chew on. Yeah, for real. And like I said, (laughs) of course, I hope everyone hits the over, but, um, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But um, first taste on t- tomorrow night, huh? First taste tomorrow. I'm going to be there. Pray to God. Keegan Murray's playing. Um, you know, start of the Brown era. Start of something new. Start of the, the legit start of the Fox Sabonis era. Hopefully that lasts for a while. Um, we made it. We're here. The Kings play. Uh, you know, everything's being built up to this, and you know that release at tip off <laughs> tomorrow is just going to be phenomenal. So I'm pumped. We're all pumped. It's going to be a long season, but you know we start off. I think on an easier note, relatively easier note, I guess against Portland, and say you know the next few games that we play. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. What about you? What, what do you have to say to recap this podcast in light of the season ahead? Nah, it's just uh, anticipation coming to the brink here. And uh, I don't know. It's great. But it's going to be interesting. They play Portland, and then they're going to have that back-to-back Saturday and Sunday uh, with the Clippers at home, and then they travel to San Francisco to play the Warriors. So that'll be fun. Uh, we'll see how they do. We'll see. They're, they're going to – Play, have three games played by the time we come back. So, yeah, and that reminds me. Crazy. Saturday, uh, Cap City Crown. Myself will be hosting a watch party at Porchlight Brewing in East Sacramento. Look it up. It starts at seven. First fifty beers, two dollars off. So, if you guys are interested, come on over. It's going to be a bunch of Kings fans watching the game. Love to see you there. But, uh, yeah. I guess until next time or until I see you on Saturday. Anything else, John? I think that covers it. Let's just get this. Uh, let's get this started. All right. Well, good luck to us tomorrow night, and until next time. <laughs>
Have a good one.